Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to talk about three things tonight, about three hindrances to the cause of Christ that I see today. And, of course, one of them, Brother Jeremiah, has been talking about a famine of the Word of God. There's a famine of the Word. There's a failure of the church uh, with its uh, rectitude, with, uh, with sticking to the Word of God and to the things of God. We've strayed uh, from God, and there's a fear of man. Those three things combined has become a hindrance to the cause of Christ in this age that we live in. And uh, we've got a lot of things going on around us. Uh, I guess Monday night they're going to probably confirm the Supreme Court uh, justice. And uh, she is a constitutionalist. And what that means is she interprets the Constitution and are originalist, they call it also, interprets the Constitution based upon how the Founding Fathers wrote it, exactly what it says, uh, not according to the social, uh, quote, Maggie Mead, the sociology lady, not the social mores of the day, not, not with a, the changing tide. The liberal crowd wants to change the Constitution to match the culture. And we're against, I'm against that because you want them to stick. That Constitution has held this country, this nation together for how many years? 200 and something years, and, and it's, uh, it's done a good job. So when, what they do is they will, someone will pass a law and it will be challenged, and that Supreme Court will look at those laws and hold it up against the Constitution exactly as it was written by the Founding Fathers and find that it's, it's either constitutional or it's unconstitutional. And she's a constitutionalist, so I, that will be good for the church because the Founding Fathers uh, made provisions for the separation of church and state and, uh, and not, not to protect the state from the church, but rather to protect the church from the state. And one of the reasons the folks came over on the Mayflower was to escape those state churches, the, the state trying to tell you how to worship, when to worship, and where to worship. And we were flirting with some things during this COVID thing where some governors were pretty strong-handed, high-handed in uh, the way they dealt with the church. Uh, my view from the U.S. Constitution, they have no standing in it, no standing to say what we do or what we don't do. Uh, that's that separation. So, <clears throat> just a little bit on that. <clears throat> but Ephesians 6, in verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'll just stay in this microphone tonight, David. In the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's a job. We talked this morning, the devil was too subtle for Adam and Eve, and they didn't have a fallen nature, or he's too subtle for Eve. So Paul is warning us here to put on the whole armor of God, and he goes uh, through it. And he makes the point that for we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we've got that going on today. We've got a lot of spiritual influences with the culture, uh, with, the, with the government, everything uh, trying to push people away 
from the Word of God. And uh, that's how it's been. And it, it hasn't just been of late. That started way back when we talked about the Scopes Monkey Trial, where uh, they allowed the school to teach your children that God is a liar, that we all evolved uh, from monkeys. And I've told this to you know, you're, one day you're a monkey, and monkey jumps in a mud puddle, and then voila, out comes Chad Barrows. You know, uh, but we bought it. The church bought it. The, the church evidently was not strong enough to take a stand and say that's foolishness and we're not going to tolerate it. But we did. We've tolerated a lot of things. Abortion, probably, in my opinion, the great sin of all the innocent blood that is crying out to the Lord. And uh, I've, it's my personal opinion is that a big part of our climate problems, a big part of a lot of our problems are our killing of the innocent blood. God's not going to give you clean streams and a clean environment. He's going to give you floods and hurricanes and wildfires. But, but the, God knows that crowd's never going to get it. They're never going to quite get it and, and say, could this be the judgment of God? That question won't be uh, won't be postured by the posited by the media. They'd run you out of town. You try to say that's a judge, it's a wrath of God because of the wickedness that we've tolerated for so many years. The Bible says that God will answer a man and answer a nation according to its ways. Surely God does that. He says that He will. So. Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Jack Grigby used to say that a lot. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. He ran those two together, and I like that. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. There's something about that Word of God. Uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The Bible says God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. <coughs> I'll tell you. I'll try to make it a quick story. I buried a, a boy who was killed on a motorcycle several years ago, and his stepdad was into Native American Indian culture. was very big on it. There was a, a Sioux, Lakota Sioux medicine man, a shaman, from North Dakota. In fact, he just died uh, uh, last year. Big Jim, can't remember his last name. He was uh, he was been written up in several magazines. He was uh, one of a fellow who understood the Native American culture and the religion. And I did the funeral service over here at Dillsboro, and they were having a traditional Native American Indian sweat lodge to release that boy's spirit is what, 
what they've said. And the shaman, Lakota Sioux medicine man, invited me, said he'd never invited a white preacher into the sweat lodge. So I said, yeah, I'll go. And I wasn't sure what I was getting into because the, the step stepdad was kind of a biker guy and a big bunch of, I didn't know what I, if I was going to have to fight my way out of there, I didn't know. So I called Danny Craig. Danny was a cage fighter. And I said, Danny, come, let's go with me. Uh, going to a, a Sioux sweat lodge. Danny said, okay, I'm ready. He went there with me. And they they went around the circle. I won't say how we were dressed. It would not be appropriate for Hope Baptist Church. But it's it's hot in that thing, man. And, and uh, try to sound like Joe Biden, man. Uh, but we're, come on, man. We're gathered around in this circle. And everybody says a little piece and they're singing songs. Native American songs. And then someone would say something, you'd hear grunts, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. and these were all mostly Native American Indians in this sweat lodge. And it just it came around to me, and the Lakota Sioux medicine man asked me if I wanted to say something. And what came to mind was, I know how they are with the, the great spirit, they even had the sign of the, the, the white buffalo. I, I knew a lot of that tradition. But also, I'd remembered a, a little show routine that we did as a boys from Indiana where I went through all the names of the Indian tribes. Came into the little town of Chickasha, Oklahoma one day, and I, I wrote up a routine about the five great tribes and all those tribes. And what, what I told that group, and it, God just put it on my lips, where I said, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus Christ is the spirit made flesh. He came, and he's the only way to heaven. He's the God of the Mohawk, the Mandan, the Kickapoo Cree, the Yakima, the Seminole, Crow, Shawnee, the Choctaw, Delaware, the Polka Paiute, the Winnebago, Cheyenne, Blackfoot. He's a God of the Navajo youth, the Comanche, Paul, Creek, Apache, Sioux, Chippewa. Went through all those, and man, they're going, <laughs> And it, God gave me an opportunity in a Lakota Sioux sweat lodge to promote the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Wow. God is a spirit, my man. Just, I'm, I'm full of stories tonight. I may not have to preach. All right. But what I look at in verse 17 here, says, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the battle for the New Testament Christian, it's a spiritual battle. Therefore, we must look to spiritual weapons. You remember the time when Peter cut off that soldier's centurion, was a centurion, soldier's ear? And, the, and the, the Lord restored it. And then another place, the Lord said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. So we're, we get all caught up with the political movements and, and all the craziness of the day. And the Lord said in the last days, men would wax worse and worse. 
And he said, think it not strange, the fiery trial which is to beset you. So we have to understand, we, we need to, to learn that God's still in charge and not to let it stress us out and worry about this and, and fuss over that. God is still God. There's no power but of God. So that being said, we have the power of God in the word of God. And we need to be true to that word of God. By the word of God, it says, the heavens were of old and the earth. Hebrews eleven three. through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful. That means it's alive. Remember the movie, The Quick and the Dead? Nobody watches those movies, Sharon Stone. No. Man, I've got to get a more worldly crowd if I'm going to make any uh, good illustrations here. The Quick and the Dead, uh, that movie was based upon a Western novel by Louis L'Amour. Anybody know who Louis L'Amour is? All right, I see some, some Western folks here. Louis L'Amour, he wrote over 200 Western novels, somewhat of a philosopher. He had a saying that I like that I've used in funerals. He talked about uh, men. He said, that's a man to ride the river with. You find a, a, a good, strong, tough guy, he'd say, that's a man to ride the river with. Knew that he could take care of business. Out riding the ride. Do I have to explain everything? Everyone here? All right. For the word of God is quick. It's alive and powerful. Jesus Christ was a quickening spirit. Quick and powerful. The word of God. He is the word. We'll get into that. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I like that verse. Uh, uh, a lot of times it'll come, come up among Christians and among preachers uh, at what point does someone get saved? Uh, I've heard preachers say, well, when a man steps out to walk the aisle, he's probably saved before he ever hits the altar. And according, that's, that's probably true according to this verse. Once, once God discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart to trust Christ, isn't that something? Pretty interesting, is it? Well, he never said this or he never said that. A lot of times we, we have a tendency to put an emphasis on the words that are spoken at the altar. Well, you need to say this and you need to say that. No, you need to have your heart right with God. The thoughts and intents of your heart is, is, is to declare yourself a sinner before God and come to him, to Jesus Christ for salvation. So he discerns the very thoughts and intents of the heart. So we understand that the power is in the word of God. Then that verse I just read through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Man, that, that's hard to figure out. A lot of this is way above my pay grade on trying to figure a lot of this out. But in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible said, by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, and then Paul tells the Thessalonians that it was that very word of God that is effectual. That means it, it, hap- it makes it happen. It, it, it's effectual. Like, like, like I, when I pull the trigger on that Glock 23 that I've got, that, that pulling the trigger is effectual. That gun's going to go off. 
The Word of God is effectual. It gets the job done. Effects on the Christian. He said in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause also, thank we God, without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, I heard Jeremiah preach on this recently, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also, there it is, in you that believe. We, we live in a day and time, not only in America, but around the world, uh, where, where Bible-believing Christians, what, what, what has happened to the church? What's, what's going on with the church? Where's the power? Where's the power in prayer? And we're as guilty as a lot of them. We, we have a lot of empty altars and dry eyes. Man, back in the day, you'd see folks just weeping at the altar, crying over their loved ones. Some of you folks, folks may have never seen a granny fit in those old churches. I don't know. You say, well, it's not about feeling. I understand that. But those folks would pour their heart out to God, and I think we've lost uh, some of that, or we, maybe we've come so proper in our church etiquette that we just won't allow that to happen in our churches. But it's only when we as a church understand the importance then of believing what God says. The power of prayer, the power of the word of God, it's effectual. And God answers prayer. We've seen it here over and over. I, we do know that. If we lack some evidence in some places, we know uh, we've had evidences everywhere else that God has blessed this church. <clears throat> over and over he's blessed he's brought healing and shown his power when this building was built it, it, was, it was so many times made obvious that God was in this work we didn't have the money to build this building but God kept making a way he'd send somebody that knew how to do this somebody knew how to do that God in this building needed all that plumbing done, and the state of Indiana requires a licensed plumber to do your plumbing. Don't require an electrician to have a license or carpenter, anybody else, but they require a licensed plumber. And at my doorstep, a fellow showed up, a guy that I played bluegrass music with down in Florida, Larry Allen. I said, I thought I'd stop by and see you, Tom. I'm on my way to Costa Rica. Just retired. I said, well, what do you do? He said, I was a 30-year union plumber. Oh, <laughs> really? He did all the plumbing in this building. In fact, when I mentioned it to him, he said, now I know why God sent me here. So, see, that's how, that's how that, that works. And just one project after another in getting into this building. You knew that God was involved in it. God made a way. All right. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause, we thank God without ceasing. Because we understand that we've got the word of God. And folks have deviated from it. They've tried to water it down. The psalmist said in, in Psalms 138 and verse 2, Thou hast magnified thy word above all their name. Now, what's that about? You, you, you can't get hit with that verse and just automatically know exactly what he's talking about. Jesus 
Christ is a name that's above every name. And here it said that God had magnified his word above his name. What, how do you reconcile those two? Well, John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was God and the word was with God. The same in the beginning with God. So the word was God and then the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the living word. I don't have that all figured out. Uh, this book is a manifestation of Jesus Christ. He wrote the book. And every word is a manifestation of him. And there's power in that word of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1, 14. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Then the apostle Paul told the Philippians... That the Lord Jesus Christ was given a name, I, I mentioned that, above every name. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So then, with that being said, it becomes very difficult to separate the living word with the written word. Because they're always going to agree in one, like the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. They always agree in one. Hmm. John 1 said that the word was God. So then is Jesus Christ the living word of God, the word being made flesh. God obviously would expect his church to place, place a great emphasis upon the written word of God, which is a manifestation of the living word of God, Jesus Christ. And this verse that I just mentioned, 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, capital W, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. <coughs> now I said that to say this. What's happened to Christian uh, faith and a lot of our churches and the watering down of the churches can be found in what we're doing with the Word of God. Close to 300. I, I, I've lost track. I haven't checked in a couple years. Close to 300 versions of the Word of God. Uh, all of them that I know of, with the exception of the Word of God, have a copyright. Do you know what a copyright does? It, it allows you to make money because you have a copyright on it. And in order to obtain a copyright, you can't just change a, a line here and there, a word here and there. The copyright law, I've read it, says that there must be significant changes. Wow. Wouldn't that make a, a, a Bible-believing Christian fear messing with that book? Hmm. So in whenever in any age there's a failure of faith, it's a direct result. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So without, without the word, where's the faith? Amos chapter 8, promise Amos warned this. He said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. People don't want to hear it. They want it watered down. They want it muddled up. And they want to change it to meet their expectations of what they think it should say. I shared something in, in Facebook this week, but 
where the Bible is very clear against homosexuality. It's, it's very crystal clear, as some would say. Uh, God in the Old Testament called it abomination, and, and, and it talked about the wickedness of it in the New Testament. But there, some people react to that. At the, the minute you start telling what the Word of God says about something, people want to label you as a hater. Anybody experience that? Oh, you're a hater. Just because two people, no. God so loved the world. God loves the sinner. He lo- I'm, God loved me and I was a sinner. God manifested his love toward us and why we were yet sinners. In fact, I probably led at least a dozen. I think if I sit down and count them up more than that, homosexuals to Jesus Christ. God loves them enough to save their souls. But don't ever expect God to say, that's okay, and that's good, because he don't say that. So when we, when we say what God has to say, when we expound the words of God, we're going to get opposition. And the first thing the crowd does today is brand you a hater. And no, it's just the opposite. See, God loved me enough to save me where I was. And he also loved me enough to not leave me in that condition. He said, I, God wanted to pull me from my sinfulness, sinfulness, and he had predestinated, predestined me as a believer in Christ to be conformed to his image. And the only way I can be conformed to his image is to know where he stands. Know what that image is. And that being said, let me move on. But the psalmist said the words of the Lord are pure. Is that Psalms 12, 6, and 7? All the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth and purified seven times. Thou shalt preserve, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them, O Lord, from this generation forever. It's settled forever in heaven, the Bible says. It don't change. The Lord said, I change not, saith the Lord. In him is no variableness nor shadow of turning. If it was a word 150 years ago, it's the same word today that's settled in heaven. No matter what we try to do to it, taking from it, adding to it. So there's a famine in the world of, in the word of God. Psalms 172, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of uh, the earth. Are we effective witnesses? Maybe we've strayed so much that we've lost some of our effectiveness for the cause of Christ. If, if we're hung up on the problem being in the White House, then we'll never fix things at the church house. That's, that's where the power is in the church house, not the White House. God uses the church to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, that responsibility belongs to every blood-bought, born-again, Bible-thumping, coffee-drinking, chicken-eating, sin-hating, choir-singing. I can go through a whole list of that stuff. Person in this room. And Jeremiah and his dad and I and maybe Brother Hobbs went to a a 24-hour. It was just straight teaching on the King James Bible, the manuscript evidence and all that. Up in Toledo, Ohio, we went with uh, Dr. Sam Gipp, 
been quite a few years, hasn't it now? And uh, one, one thing that he said I, I, I will never forget is he said, God never gave his word to be kept by religious scholarship, especially religious scholarship in the Laodicean age. God gave the keeping of his word to the church. So what what is what has happened? The church has yielded to the elitist and religious scholarship when it comes to his word, and, and we see what happens. 300 versions, or however many. Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if uh, we've, we've got a famine of the word of God, we've got a failure of the church in preserving and keeping his word and, and trying to promote it and preach it. And the apostle said then, how shall they call on him in whom they haven't believed and have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So the prophet Amos foretold of this famine in the land of the word of God. And the failure of the church then as a result, we've got a famine of the word, we've got a failure of the church to to be a strong Bible-believing, Bible-practicing, world-rejecting church. And, And a lot of that is due to the fear of man. Everybody wants to be like. You got a famine uh, of the word, you got a failure of the church, then you got a fear of man. And that's uh, that's not a good thing. When we fear when we fear the culture of today, when we fear that elitist crowd that is trying to to convert your children Look out, and they'll do that. One of the greatest uh, problems today is education, higher education. And, and it's getting to where it's not so much higher education. I, I heard a fellow the other day talking about the, the teachers' colleges. They're instilling that in your high school teachers. So they're coming out of teachers' college with the understanding that that. It's us, the elite. It's it's us, the elitist, against all you morons. Now I don't. I haven't seen that locally. We've got good school systems that I've seen, but I guarantee you there's a few hid back in there that are promoting this, this social engineering gospel to turn your kids from everything you've taught them, everything they might have learned in church. I was dealing with a fellow about his daughter that goes to one of the colleges, a liberal arts college not too far from here. And I looked on their website to see about some virtual learning learning things for uh, this person. And right away they had their diversity statement. It'd make you gag. Goofy. God tells you not to, God tells you not to not be biased toward any man. Uh, God told Peter to call no man common or unclean. 
If you believe the Bible, you'll understand that. In fact, the, the Christian will put others, esteem others better than himself. But let me move on. You've got a failure of the church as a result of the fear of man. The world's in a mess because no one wants to talk about Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's not that big a deal. It's not that important. Your religion between whatever you want it to be. Nobody wants to talk about God, period. Especially God in, in, in the affairs of man. They're, they're constantly trying to rewrite all the history books. Now everyone's mad at Christopher Columbus and all that crowd. And if your great-great-grandpa had a slave, it's your fault. I mean, it's, it's gotten pretty crazy. Now, when I was in school, the uh, first thing we did in the morning, we'd say the Lord's Prayer. Miss Polly, Polly Deals was my teacher. Miss Deals. And then uh, Miss Struckman. We'd say the Lord's Prayer. And then give the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. And they taught us that in 1492, Columbus sailed the blue. I still remember some of that. I remember that the Battle of Hastings was 1066. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I remember some of that stuff. But now they're saying all of, uh, all of our American heroes who brought this country to the great nation that it has become, we're all racist and terrible people. And we need to get rid of their, erase their memory from all of history. That's craziness. That's a fear of man. And, and, and we as a church cannot buy into it. Especially when it comes to that book. There's not many Bible-believing churches anymore. They've all, they've, they've all drank the Kool-Aid. They've all bought in, bought in into that crowd. So watch out. You make up your own mind. I preached a few weeks ago, and it is dealer's choice. You can do what you want to do, but if, uh, but what God says about His Word, the importance of it, and the effectiveness of it, the effectual working of His power. Nobody wants to talk about God. We've expelled Him from schools, outlawed prayer, banned the Bible. We bought the farm the church has with a bunch of sissy preachers. Godless politicians, there's a ton of them out there. Scared to death to say anything about Jesus Christ. He don't have anything to do with this. We've got a country to run. Look out. David said, Psalms 56, 11, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. I hope that you're there tonight. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. A famine of the word of God, a failure of the church, and a fear of man. Those are hindrances to the cause of Christ. A worldly church results in a godless world. You give the devil a, a, an inch and he'll take a mile. We've let him get his foot into the, the door, and he is referred to as a God of this world. One day that's going to change. What you and I have done to bring faith of Jesus Christ to a dying world, that's, that's, we need to think about that. What, what have I done to proclaim the gospel? Peter said, 
First uh, Peter three fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Isaiah said in Isaiah thirty four sixteen, seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Get back in the book, not a watered down version. And that's our sword. That's where the power is, and that's our message to the world. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And then we need to get out and tell the world about Jesus Christ. A woman at the well, she had just got saved. and She ran into town and said, come see a man that taught me all things, whichever I did. Surely this is a Christ. Famine of the word, failure of the church, and the fear of man, it's a snare. And it's a stumbling block to the cause of Christ. I'm done. Jeremiah, if you'll come, we'll have a, a verse of a song of invitation.